Lord, we just thank you that tonight we refuse to have another service. Lord, we refuse to come here and have just another additional service to our week. But God, we declare this as a holy, sacred moment in your presence, Lord. We refuse normal. We refuse, God, to have the normal experience of songs and sermons, God. But we're asking for divine intervention. God, we're asking for divine disruption and breakthrough in the Spirit, Lord. I just declare that every captive be set free tonight. I declare every sin cycle broken. I declare mountains to be moved tonight. I declare that fire will descend on this place, God. And Father, that we will be the salt and light that you have called God and commissioned into this earth, Father. I pray for the person to my left and to my right. Come on, lift them up. Those people to your left and to your right. Father, whatever it is that they're going through tonight, God, we just declare freedom over them, God. We just declare that you give them the oil of joy for mourning. God, you give us beauty for ashes, God. We just declare you've given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, we just declare healing, salvation, and deliverance, God. We declare the fullness of your spirit in this place, God. We come with great expectation. Come on, now shake that hand. Shake that hand. Father, we just believe in God. We believe that you're able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that's at work in us, Father. We know that if we have two or three that would touch and agree on any one thing it shall be done and tonight we're believing for an awakening God we're believing for revival Lord we're believing for your the outpouring of your spirit we're believing for heaven to invade the earth God we're believing for sons and daughters to prophesy God we're believing for old men to dream dreams and young men to see visions we thank you, Father. Come on, now pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, just pray in the heavenly language. Come on, let's just pray till we feel a break. God, we declare every distraction broken. Every distraction broken by the Spirit of God. Every plan of the enemy be gone now in the name of Jesus oh you said when the enemy comes in one way he has to flee seven ways God we just declare freedom in this house huh? thank you Lord come on how many feel God just stirring something in you right now come on lift up your voice again oh I just feel you Lord stirring in our hearts today God hey hallelujah hallelujah now hug that person and tell them you're never going to be the same put your arms around them and say you're never going to be the same after tonight Hallelujah. Guys, if you can help me out in the monitors, please. It's not that I like to hear myself, but if I feel like I can't hear myself, I start screaming at you. And uh, I'm, I'm, what happened? Brother, I'm Pentecostal. You have to crank it up. Man, I'm so excited to be here with you. Pastor Hank, Rhonda, thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, listen. Why do they need me to preach? That's all I'm going to say. Two of the greatest preachers in, in, in the world, in my opinion, are Pastor Hank and Rhonda Davis. And you ought to thank God for their leadership and what they've done in the city. You know, I just want to honor you because before Mark Castle was ever thought about, they were doing stuff in this city. And so I'm excited uh, for what God has done through their ministry. And, uh, you know, I just spent four days in... Virginia Beach. No, I didn't spend it on the beach I would have liked to have. 
But uh, how many knows in ministry sometimes you can go to vacation spots and never have a vacation? <laughs> so we waved at the ocean. It was uh, quite a sight to see. And ate, ate a piece of fish, and it was cooked, yes. And, uh, and went back into sessions. But we gathered there with 1,200 leaders from around the world, 400 scholars, 400 now leaders, and 400 next-gen leaders. And somehow in the midst of all that, I got invited to this thing. And I, I just, all I know is that when they gave the mission statement at the beginning, they said, here's our mission statement. We want you to be a part of this. And they said that we are believing that every person in the known world would have an authentic encounter with the Holy Spirit by 2033. And I thought, I have never heard any ministry say that they were going to reach the entire world in the next 21 years. And when they said that, something lit off on the inside of me and says, you know what, this thing can happen. And I just, I'm telling you, I spent time with these amazing leaders. Listen, at the very last night, they had all of the next generation voices lay hands on people like Jack Hayford. Listen, it was the most humbling experience. I've never prayed for somebody else and got the touch for myself. But you know, that's how God is looking to do something in this generation. That it's not about the, just the older generation. And it's not, I hate to bust this bubble, about just the young generation. But it's the synergy of when generations come together that God fulfills the mandate of this hour. So that's something that, that I just carry. So I want to tell you, I've never been more hungry in all of my life to watch people that are esteemed highly weep over, the gener over my generation and spend days together just fasting and seeking the Lord and, and just uh, sharing dialogue and just to hear these men of God speak I know there's hope for this nation and, and it comes and, and, and it just comes in this phrase right here it's not going to be by the government it's not going to be by some kind of man made philosophy it's not by might nor by power but it's by His Spirit. And I just believe that America is poised for a great awakening. And guess what? It could start in this room right now. And that's just where I'm at tonight. That was my expectancy has never been higher. And uh, it's just, like I said, it's an honor and privilege to be here. And I want to jump right into the Word. I want you to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And uh, I'll share a couple verses here. And then we're going to go into the message uh, as I was driving here tonight, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, it's time for a turn. I just kept hearing that phrase, it's time for a turn. And I just began to ponder the thought, and as the thought came here, uh, I'm going to share with you what came out of that thought. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Oh, I can stop right there and preach for the next hour. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. I love this. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, now it's talking about us, it was talking about His Spirit, now it's pointing back to us. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image 
Golly. I'm, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And it says, We are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I read this in the NIV version, and I really like it in the NIV. It says, We're all with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed into that same image with ever-increasing glory. Now listen, for those of us that think that the greatest days of the church are behind us, we've been lied to. Because as long as we walk in the Spirit, He says as long as we're looking into the mirror of this Word, as long as we're looking to the Lordship and the Spirit of the Lord, that He, we will have an unveiled face and we're looking into that mirror and being transformed into the same image. What is that same image? The same image of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. Now listen, if you can't get excited about what I just said, at least give me a Baptist nod and let me know you're with me tonight. Because I just told you that the Bible gave you permission to be transformed into the same image as Jesus. Now that totally wrecks our normal service because we expect to come in and just get a little touch of Jesus. But Jesus wants to come and completely change our DNA and put something in us that when we walk out of this room, we'll never look the same again. We're given permission to be transformed into His image. If you leave this place tonight the way that you came, it was your fault. Because as the Word of God is preach no matter how entertaining it is or how challenging it is if you'll receive the word and look into the mirror you will be transformed into his same image with ever increasing glory you know what that means as great as it is tonight it's going to be more glorious tomorrow and a year from now it's going to get greater I don't care what they say about our nation I don't care who the next president is if we will walk in the spirit this nation's going to be filled with ever increasing glory you say why is that? Because the Bible declares that the whole earth huh, will be covered with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Praise God. Four of you are with me. Alright, maybe more of you get on board here in a minute. It's time for a turn. Verse 15 says, or verse 16 of that chapter says, nevertheless when one Turns. The veil, I love this, the veil is taken away. Now notice what it's saying. When one turns to the Lord, you can't just turn to anything. You can't turn to other man-made doctrines and human philosophy. When one turns to the Lord. Now I want you to understand, he could have picked when one turns to Jesus... But see, with Jesus, we still treat Him as optional. But when you bring in the Lordship of Christ, it means that when one turns to the government of Jesus, meaning it's not an optional thing, it means if He's Lord, then I must do what He said I should do. When we turn to the Lord, when we come under His Lordship, the veil is taken away. Now I want to tell you, it's time for a turn. If it takes a turn for the veil to be taken away, then I want to tell you the American church, if ever before, needs to take a turn because it is covered with a veil called religion. We've all been a victim of religion, I want to tell you. Because of religion, listen to this, the enemy has placed veils over our eyes to keep us from seeing the more that's in the Spirit of God. 
There's a veil of religion that's been placed over us. It gives us great services. It gives us great songs. But it still allows us to sleep and slumber while the Spirit of God's brooding over us trying to get us to do something. We've all been victims of it. And religion has had its hour. I want to tell you it's had its hour. Now listen to this. It looked good. It treated its entertainers great. And we all definitely enjoyed its classy gatherings and apparel. But it's over. I just got to tell you, you say, Mark, are you talking about dress here? No, I'm not. I think some of us need a little help and some of us need a whole lot more help. But I want to prove a point to you because you say, why are you focused on the external? Because that's what religion does. Religion focuses on the external. Religion wants to look the part. It wants to look Christian. It wants to talk Christianese. It wants to say the right things. But it's all external. We've got to push past the external things and begin to judge the intentions of the heart. But as 2 Corinthians 3 verse 7 would say, its glory has passed away. <laughs> You say, what are you talking about? Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 talks about the old covenant. The old covenant where man had no access to God. Only one man could go once a year before the presence of God. Everybody else had to live off that man's experience. But then we step into a new era where Jesus Christ comes and He removes the veil for all that has accepted Him and gives them permission to step into the more of God. And I want to tell you, as long as we have religion, what is religion? I'll tell you what religion is. It's not walking in relationship with the God who gave you access to have relationship with Him. We can give it a crazier definition if you want to. You can give me some, uh, some systematic theology for what I'm trying to say. But the bottom line is religion is a dead and dying ministry to people that are trying to live. Religion is talking about God but not knowing God. Religion is this. The Bible says that the children of Israel knew the acts of God. But Moses knew his ways see oh God help me Holy Ghost tonight the children of Israel could talk about God all day long talk about the miracles talk about what God did talk about what God did to Moses but they could never tell you what God did for them but Moses had an intimate relationship with God. And because he got intimate with God, guess what? He understood the reasons for the actions. See, a lot of times we come into services like this and we go, Wow, that was an amazing service. Did you see what God did? And I turn around and I want to ask them, Then why did He do it? See, because that's the reason why we've not experienced true transformation is because we've allowed His Spirit to come. We fall in the floor, but don't ask Him why I had to go in the floor. The Spirit of God comes and convicts us of things, and then we ask, why did He convict us of those things? I'll tell you why. Because there's something on the inside of you that is blocking you from having relationship with Him. And when His Spirit comes, He's not just trying to get you to lay in the floor, roll in, roll in the floor, speak in tongues. He's trying to put you on the floor, deal with something personally with you, so that when you get back up, you look more like Him. God have mercy. And we all know religion. But its glory is fading away. Religion, listen to this. I wrote this. This is fresh right here. 
Religion took us back into an old covenant mindset while we have new covenant inheritance. I know I'm going to have to work it out. I'm going to have to help you. But the old covenant, like I said before, focused on the external, right? The old covenant focused upon how the high priest dressed and how this person sacrificed and all these external things. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. You couldn't do this. You had to wear this. You had to wear that. You had to do it this way. And, you had to, and it was a, a big list of rules and rituals and all these things. And so what religion has done for us in the New Testament church is put us back in an old covenant mindset where we focus, where we have an external emphasis but without internal fruit. Boy, I've got to make sure I'm talking in the right place here tonight. People that really want to change the world because if we're going to change the world, we can't look the part. we got to be it. We can't... (laughs) We can't do Christianity we have to be Christianity we got to get folk quit focusing on all the external things we've done a great job of that you say well we'll prove it okay well we've elevated gifts but not paid attention to the people's fruit if somebody can sing if somebody can dance if somebody can preach we will give them a platform we will parade them around we will we will we will let them start a ministry and then 10 years down the road it ends in divorce with their wives and it's all because we were so captivated by the external gift that we didn't check the internal fruit mm. Mm. we become old testament saints in a New Testament church we looked good but our fruit wasn't remaining I love this religion put the veil over our spiritual eyes from seeing the glorious inheritance of the church therefore we need a 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16 moment where we turn to the Lord now listen I've been preaching this same message over and over again. I put different scriptures with it, but it all goes back to the same thing. I refuse to entertain people and let them shout about the Word of God, but when they go home, they don't even think about praying. I refuse to be another entertaining preacher that gives you three points. You leave the place excited, but it puts no root on the inside of you that when the storms and the winds come, you just blow away. I'm looking for some people that want a deep word, a deep work, so that when the winds and the waves of life come, we're able to stand. It's only going to happen when we start turning to the Lord. Before God would ever allow His Son to be exposed to the public, He raised up a man named John. And what was His message? Turn. Before God would allow His Son to step into public ministry, you say, how long had God been preparing this? Before the foundations of the world. How long had He been preparing it in the natural? Well, for about 30 years and six months. Why you say that? Because John had to be born six months before Jesus so that he could be raised up and he could go to the wilderness, get a word from God so that the exact moment that Jesus would be raised up for ministry, John would already be preparing the people for the Lord. 
And John's out there. He's not preaching seven steps to health and happiness. He's out there telling all these people that think they've externally got it together. It's time to turn your hearts back to God. It's time for us to quit going to services. It's time for us to quit just doing the mundane things of church. And it's time for you to return your heart back to the ways of God. And he says this message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I've come to tell you tonight, it's coming, but I'm trying to make sure you don't miss it. Because I'm going to tell you, there's nobody in this room that's going to stop what God's about to do. But it's my responsibility to make sure that when he does come, you get to go with him. Because see, some of us see the wave coming, but we still got the surfboard back at home. But I want to tell you, I've got mine out. I've already got my feet in the water. I'm waiting for this thing to come out so that I can ride it. I'm already waiting out there. I'm already swimming in it. That's why I don't mind the resistance because I know that in the midst of the resistance, all of a sudden that wave's going to come and I'm going to ride it in. But I keep looking back and seeing a bunch of my friends sitting on the bank and they're going to watch me ride it and they're not going with me and I refuse to do that. How sad is it that the children of Israel for thousands of years prayed for a Messiah to come and when he came, they weren't ready for him. Nobody could stop it when he came. But John was out there saying, the revival's coming, the kingdom's coming, and the only way you can participate in it is if you return to the Lord. And see, we've gotten so used to the message of repentance. We think repentance is coming to the altar and snotting and crying on the altar. That's not repentance. Repentance is changing the way that you think. Repentance is going home after a service like this and say, you know what? I'm not going to accept that as just some sermon. I'm going to accept it as a command from Almighty God to get me and my family ready to experience the outpouring of what God is going to do this day. We need a 2 Corinthians 3.16 moment. We got to return to the Lord. Guess what? When Jesus came in His mercy, guess what His message was? Repent. Turn. He was still giving people an opportunity to come to Him while He was there in front of them. Repent. Why? Because another world's available to you. Can I tell you, it's really not that the revival we're praying for is not here. It's already moving in the earth. It's just finding some people in America that will sustain it. We have lost our expectancy for God. I preach in Pentecostal churches and I wish some of them would take the name off of the sign because they're everything but that. A better sign for it would be morgue funeral home (laughs) refrigerator freezer close the doors raise the dead but nevertheless this is the hour we live in and I've already come to terms that I can't allow other people to cause me to back into a corner and shut up this Holy Ghost that's on the inside of me. And I have determined in my life that I'm not going to bow my knee to political correctness 
and seeker-sensitive lifestyle, I'm just going to agitate people the rest of my life. Because the deal is, our churches are getting better at doing church, but souls aren't being saved. We're getting better at our worship experiences, but people's minds are the furthest thing away from God. They're mesmerized by lights, but not angels. I remember when Solomon didn't have lights, camera, or action. He didn't have fog machines, but he started doing things the way God wanted him to do. He started worshiping God the way God wanted to be worshipped. I want to tell you, God doesn't want to be worshipped with lights. He wants to be worshipped with your heart and your mind, with all of your strength. And when Solomon set his heart to really seek after God, the glory of God came. Talk about a light show where the angels of God are ascending and descending on a place you want to talk about a light show where the Shekinah glory fills the place and nobody can even stand up that's what I'm asking God to do in this generation oh God and when you turn to the Lord listen some of you have prayed the prayer but you've never really turned to the Lord Jesus, you've known Jesus as your Savior, but you've not known Him as Lord. Some, what, make, what makes me sad is a lot of us have a wrong perspective of Jesus. See, we've got uh, three different types of saints in the church. You ready? We've got uh, the saints that only come to church on Easter and Christmas. They love the Easter egg hunts. You fix food, you can get anybody to show up. You put chocolate in an egg, and I've never seen the first bunny to actually do that, but thank God my parents did it for me when I grew up. I'm a chocolate junkie. But they come and they enjoy the festivities of church, but then they go on with life as normal. They love, listen, the Christmas people, they love baby Jesus. I was watching this movie called Talladega Nights. Pastor Hank, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I know some of you all are really sanctified and you've never seen this movie, but, uh, but uh, if God can use a donkey, He can use Will Ferrell. Hallelujah. And he's, <laughs> he's sitting at a table with his family, uh, his wife and his two sons, Walker and Texas Ranger. Uh, see, I knew it. I knew it would come out. You've been watching the movie. And he starts praying, and he starts praying like this. He says, Dear eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. For real. No, 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 I'm not kidding. Who's learning his shapes and colors. He's praying to baby Jesus. Then he starts off again. His wife's like, Stop praying that way. He says, No, I like him that way. And when she said that, the Spirit rose up inside of me and said, See, that's a problem with most of my members. He didn't say saints, he said members. They love baby Jesus. Why do they love baby Jesus? Baby Jesus can't talk. <laughs> baby Jesus is cute. Baby Jesus, you can just come and see Him. You can give Him a gift, but, but it doesn't require any responsibility from you. We love baby Jesus. But see, there's some of us, we're Easter saints. We love the crucifixion. We love the story. We love Good Friday. We love the story of the blood of Jesus. And I want to tell you, I love it. It'll never get old to me. 
That's the reason that I do what I do because He rescued me through that sacrifice and He's going to rescue a generation through my testimony, through your testimony. So that, that never gets old to me, but see, there's some people there that, that, that they love Easter because they can never get past the cross. They're the people that continually come to the cross and are applying the blood of Jesus constantly over and over again. And they never step into power. They're just constantly repenting for sin cycles. I shouldn't say repenting. They're constantly saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I'll never do it again until next week. And these constant sin cycles. And you say, well, I'm just constantly applying the blood of Jesus. No. The Bible tells you if you're really in Christ, in 1 John, it says you'll no longer practice sin. It doesn't mean that you're not going to fall. It just means you're not going to practice it anymore. But see, we've got a lot of people that love Easter so much and think that Easter is permission for them to practice sin. But see, that story doesn't end with Christ on a cross. It ends with Him busting the end out of the tomb. He was crucified for my sin, but He was raised for my justification. It doesn't stop there. See, really, instead of you saying you're applying the blood of Jesus constantly to your practicing sin, what you're really doing is trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. But see, the proper perspective doesn't end in a manger. It doesn't end on a cross. Where it only begins is now he's set down at the right hand of the Father as King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. See, they'll never spit on him again. They'll never whip his back again. They'll never put him up on a tree again. When he comes back, he was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth. But when he comes back the second time, he's coming back as king of kings, lord of lords, the alpha and now the omega. He's coming back as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's lord, which means I cannot... I can no longer treat his words as optional. There must be a turn back to the Lord. Are you with me? And when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away and then you begin to see religion for what it really is. It's a form of godliness. Remember what we said? It's external. It looks like God. It looks churchy. It looks right. Boy, they, got a, they had a nice dress on Sunday. It looks good. But see, I grew up in the generation that mom and dad looked real good on Sunday, but they were cussing each other going home after service. Oh, you didn't grow up at home like that. I, I forgot. Maybe if you get your uh, halo off your horns tonight and talk straight with me that uh, you begin to understand that we've our generation not now I'm not talking to everybody but I'm talking to a, a lot of somebodies that we grew up in homes where mom and dad looked great at church but didn't live it at home oh they had oh listen they were the best hypocrites you've ever seen I mean I, I listen the benefit of being a PK is that you can really be mean and, and barely get in trouble a lot of the times. And you can blame it on the deacon's kids. So I love that. Thank God for that. Hallelujah. 
So, but I remember I would go home with friends of mine to hang out with them. And then when you get into somebody's house, you really see them for who they really are. And all of a sudden you go, wow. I knew she spoke in tongues, but I didn't know she talked like that. Why? Man, I've heard him preach, but I didn't realize that he was full of anger and hatred and bitterness. See, we've been great at the facade, but the facade is hypocrisy. It's just an outward form of godliness when we can come in and fake it in front of somebody else. Can I tell you? You can fake it in front of me. You may be able to fake it in front of me, but you will not fake it in front of God. Because here's what Paul said. If you see the form of godliness, but it denies the power, let me say it another way. If it looks like God, but doesn't have God's power. Oh, you really, really need to help me tonight because the longer you just sit there, I'm going to preach harder and longer. Then, if we have the form but no function of God, it's not God. If, we, if it looks like God but has no God kind of fruit, it's not God. God does not, He's not superficial. He's not a facade. He's not a mask that you put on. God, when God comes, He changes things. When God gets a hold of an old creation, He turns it into a new creation. When God comes in, cancer has to leave. If there's a form of godliness but nothing's changing around you, it's not God. So I would recommend this. If you're going to conferences and nothing's happened around you, I'd stop going to that conference. If you're going to services and nothing's happening at the services, I probably stop going to those services. You say, how can you say that? Because it goes into the next verse and says, where the Spirit of the Lord is. When we turn to the Lord, He takes the veil away. And the next verse says, Where the Spirit... Golly, I'm about to get a Pentecostal all by myself. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Do you understand what that means? That means that every chain the enemy's put on you, every bondage that the enemy's put on you, when the veil's taken away, God can come with His Spirit. And where the Lord is, there is freedom. Golly, help me, Jesus. That, you, you say, Mark, I've heard that for years. Yeah, but if it doesn't move you, you ain't got it yet. See, see, you want a deep word. No, when you can shout about the basics. Can I tell you, there's nothing deeper than the foundation anyways. If you can't shout about the basics, I question your salvation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And watch what he says. If there's a form of godliness, and it's not producing power from such what? Turn. It's time for a turn. 
See, we've been going through the motions. We've been having pretty services. We've been doing, doing certain... Now listen, there's nothing wrong with excellence. That's not what I'm coming against. I'm coming against the, the excellence but doesn't produce any godly results or fruit. I'm telling you, the days of our religious gatherings are over. This kind of gathering tonight. Only hungry people come to church. Now I know some of you had to come tonight and that's how you feel. That's fine. You just sit back there and you be bored tonight. But there's some of us that are hungry for a move of God. There's some of us want to come on a Saturday night and say, I know I got church in the morning, but I got to have something extra today. I'm going to. Hallelujah. See, what I loved about my dad's church is I noticed that they all dressed up like angels. Some of the women did, man. They had wings. You didn't see those dresses. You didn't watch Christian television about 10 years ago. You, you mean you, you don't watch it still? They walk in and you thought, my God, it's a visitation. No, it's just Sister Susie. She's wearing her dress today. See, they dress like angels, but they live like hell. <laughs> oh boy, you weren't ready for that. I'm sorry. Let me start. But see, when the veil is lifted, not only is religion exposed, but God doesn't even want you focused on it. He just wants you to see it long enough for you to realize you don't want part of it. But what He really opens your eyes to, the veil of the temple, or the veil is torn and a new life is exposed. I love this. Because when Jesus died on the cross, when everybody thought it was over, when He took His last breath, the Bible says the whole earth began to shake. Rocks began to split, meaning they were exploding from the inside out. And graves were opened up. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, all of you that are so familiar with the Bible, I said graves were opened up. And the veil of the temple... The old covenant, the old way, where only one man could go in on behalf of the people. That veil of external religion. From top to bottom. And now man had access to God again. I'm about to throw my microphone right at you back there in that camera right there. I love it. When the veil is lifted, new life is exposed. The life is what? Life in the Spirit. Let me say it West Virginia terms. Life in the Holy Ghost. I'm tired of people. I heard them say that all week. Everybody, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I got in the middle of one of the meetings. I said, uh, Holy Ghost, right? There's theologians looking at me. Oh, he's just an ex-gen guy. Yeah, no, I'm a West Virginia guy. I'm a Holy Ghost. I grew up in the back backwoods where they had pot belly stoves, and they get so under the power of God, they reach in the pot belly stove, pull out the fire, and play with it in their hands, throw it back in there, and never burn them. West Virginia, crazy Pentecostals, take me home. <laughs> See, it's life in the Spirit. See, your walk of religion left you frustrated. 
Come on. How many ever been? We've all been, I said it at the beginning, we've all been victims of religion. And religion, all it ever did was frustrate us because we prayed a prayer and they told us that we were going to experience some kind of new life, but they never equipped us with new life. They never told us the life in the Spirit. They told us everything not to do, but nothing to say yes to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me talk about it. Where I grew up, they told you everything you couldn't do. But they never told you what you could do. They didn't tell you that every time you said no to the world, you were saying yes to God. They didn't tell me that every time I said no to alcohol, I was saying yes to consecration. And when you start exposing the new life to people, they look at religion and say, I don't want none of that. I'm tired of going through the sin cycle. I'm tired of being in sin this week and being worse off this this next week. I want something that's going to change me forever. It's called the life in the Holy Ghost. Your walk of religion left you frustrated. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 would tell you that that old covenant mindset was a ministry of death. Read it for yourself. But now you can walk in relationship with God through His Spirit. Now let me say this. This fires me up. In the Old Testament, the highest form of consecration was called a Nazarite. Greed in numbers. The highest form of consecration is a Nazarite. He wasn't allowed to cut his hair. He could have no wine. There were several things he couldn't do. He couldn't put the razor on the head. Thank God we can cut our hair now. Hallelujah. So, that was the highest form of consecration. Right? But even in the highest form of consecration in the Old Covenant... They weren't allowed to be around lepers. Let me just stop right there. Let me just say this. Highest form of religion and its rituals and rules still couldn't be around lepers. But when Jesus came, He looked at His disciples and said, Now look, and you're, talking, you're not talking about Nazarites. You're talking about fishermen. Idiots. Now, I'm not calling fishermen idiots. I'm just saying, look at the life of Peter and tell me he, he wasn't an idiot. He rebuked the Lord. He was West Virginian. So, these were 12 messed up guys and he looks at them in the power of the new covenant that he was introducing and said, I know they told you in the old covenant you couldn't be around lepers. But I command you to cleanse lepers. See, in the old covenant, they were scared it was going to get on them. But in the new covenant, there was a power at work on the believers that could look at leprosy and say, go, and it had to leave. See, that's the power. But see, no, no, no. The Nazarite, he wasn't allowed to go around dead things. He couldn't even attend his family's funerals. But when Jesus came, he looked at his disciples and said, I know they told you in the old covenant, if you were going to be in the highest form of consecration, you couldn't be around dead things. But let me take you to a place where there's a widow in Nain who had a son that just died and we're going to interrupt a dead thing and we're going to raise it to life again because there is nothing happening in this moment that can compare golly with the glory which shall be revealed in you this is the year 
that God is going to raise up the true apostolic church and it's going to emerge out of the ashes of dead religion. That's the word God gave me at the beginning of the year when I was praying. He said, Mark, the apostolic church is going to emerge from the ashes of dead religion. How? Easy. Somebody that comes to church and they've never got victory. Religion. Somebody that's come to church and they're still talking about people like a dog. That's religion. Because the Bible tells me that when we come into the kingdom... Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh boy, there's that term again. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. How's it going to be exposed? It's lack of life. How else? Powerlessness. Powerlessness. Meaning, they claim Christianity, but there's nothing happening around them as if it were Christ being there. You say, how can you say that? Well, I'm about to tell you. Religion's going to be exposed for its lack of life and its lack of power, but these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, what? They're going to cast out devils. They're going to speak with new tongues. They're going to take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He that believes on me, John 14, 12. As, oh, he said, he that believes on me, the works that I do, shall you do also. Was he talking to just pastors? No, those that believe. Greater works. Was he just talking about apostles? No. Can I tell you the only reason why we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists is not for us to do all the work. It's for the saints to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. These signs shall follow them. Every person from the janitor to the businessman to the CEO to the preacher to the race car driver to the football player to the high school kid to the children's ministry. These signs shall follow them that believe. Now watch this. When there's a turning, then the Spirit of the Lord comes and brings freedom. But can I tell you, the overall goal of an unveiled face is only one thing. You ready? Transformation. A transformation that's so powerful in you that it changes those around you. See, see I, I'm kind of upset on two different sides. I'm upset with the side that doesn't believe in the power to transform. But I'm also upset with the people that only focus on transformation of self. Oh, Lord. I'm upset with the people that don't believe in the power of God to transform a life. Yes. But I'm upset with those that keep a person focused on only self-transformation, which has led us to the place where we are today where we have dwindling churches because they're so focused on self, they've turned the church into a country club and have failed to make more disciples. 
God wants to so transform you that it doesn't just transform you, it transforms everything around you. The goal of the kingdom is expansion, not seclusion. You say, what kind of seclusion are you talking about? Country clubs, what are you, what are you talking about? See, country clubs, you pay. There's nothing wrong with country clubs. Don't, don't get mad at me here. But the church was never intended to be a country club. See, a country club, you pay a certain fee to secure luxuries for yourself. <laughs> seclusion. Are you following me tonight? Baptist not? Okay, please. All right. Seclusion. You're securing yourself a luxury. And see, that's the way we've done church. We've gotten giving programs to secure luxuries. But see, in the kingdom, it's not focused on just self. It happens like this. God saves you, then focuses you on the world, and as you go, He transforms you. You don't believe that? Then what did He do with His disciples? Do you see anywhere where He took His disciples aside and made them get right with Him before He commanded them to do the works? See, we got, see, that's where we get in trouble. We make a person wait five years to make sure they're not going to screw up before we put them in the work of the ministry. But see, what happens is during that five years, all you've done is focus them on themselves time and time again. And then when you command them to go out and do something, they don't want to do anything because they're so self-preserved. Go ahead and eat on that right there. Listen, listen. This is just the way I am. <laughs> I can't be anything different. I'd love to preach you a happy message right now. But the reality is, happy messages has led us to the point we're at right now. But if revival was here, the Spirit of the Lord here, there's no empty chairs. The Spirit, no, no, no. I'm not talking about just this place. I'm talking about churches all across America. If we would get back with unveiled faces of religion taken off of us and focus back on the Lord, where we make it about Him again, He'll show up and freedom comes. You know why people don't come to our church? Because nothing happens. And also, we're so self-preserved. We bring notebooks, and there's nothing wrong with this. There's, there's a place for personal transformation. But if you keep the attention on you and never get on, let me, let me just help you with this. When you got saved, God was excited about it. But God didn't just see you when you got saved. He saw the destiny and the harvest that was attached to your life. When you got saved, I'm going to say it again. When you got saved, God didn't just see Mark Casto. What fired him up more than that was not that I was born again, but in my being born again, I was going to turn around and others were going to be born again. Golly. What God, I think about that moment so many times in West Virginia when I knelt at an altar of prayer and I didn't just pray a little prayer. I got a hold of God and God came in and transformed my life. I think about that moment and God, I knew He was in love with me. I knew He was excited about me. But more than that, when I got saved immediately, I thought about now it's time to reach the lost. Because He didn't just see me. Now He sees 
He sees the harvest attached to me. We all with unveiled face are now beholding. What's your mirror? Right here, 66 books. You want a prophetic word tonight? 66 books. I'm so sick of... (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble tonight. I'm so sick of people getting prophetic words over and over and over again. When are they going to come to pass? But you know what? I've never seen fail. Somebody that reads this book without a preacher ever calling them out and they get a hold of a scripture and they believe it, it starts producing now. Ah, yes, see, see, again, it's external. We got to have somebody call us out. We got to have a prophetic word. It's, see, we've even turned the supernatural into an external focus. Listen, the great awakenings weren't marked with miracles. They were marked with deep contrition of the soul. Tears, weeping. They were crying out. They didn't need a miracle. Can I tell you, America doesn't need more signs and wonders. They need more conviction. They need more internal fruit being produced. We got to have to quit getting entertaining preachers and somebody full of the Holy Ghost to tell people the truth. All right. Hallelujah. I'm going to preach it anyway. God wants to so transform you that it transforms everything around you. It says we're all beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into that same image. I'm going to give you three things right here. If you're a note taker, take these. Three things. I taught this at the Hope House not too long ago, but it's something stirring in my heart like never before. When I say tonight that it's time to turn, it's time for a turn, what I'm really saying is it's time to pray again. It's time for intimacy with God again. Set in a session with just a few young men and Jack Hayford yesterday and watched a man who's at the end of his life say, if I could do anything different, I'd have spent more time with God. Billy Graham, the end of his life, you know what he said? What could I do different? He said, I would have canceled some of my crusades. I'd have canceled some of my tours. And I'd have just spent time at the feet of Jesus. And there's something on the inside of me that looks at those men at the end of their life and makes me realize they know what they're talking about because they're reflecting on how things should have been different. And the one thing that every one of them say at their ripe old age is, I wish I would have just gotten to know him more. Think about Billy Graham. You want to talk about crowds? Packed out stadiums? You want to talk about fame? He had it. But the number one thing that he said, if I could go back and change, he said, I'd replace it all just to be at his feet some more. Can I tell you? Do I believe God's going to raise me up? Yes, I do. I believe I'm going to affect millions of people around the world. Yes, I do. But there's nothing more that satisfies me than sitting at His feet. They can have the crowds. They can have the television. They can have it all. Thank God at 25 years old, I got more concerned about His presence than I did with popularity. You say, what do you... Mark, but, 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 but I, I don't understand. That's because you've never been in His presence before. 
This weekend, I took myself back to that little bedroom with my dad gave me a lazy boy reclining chair that was bigger than my room. I, I, I put the recliner out and had to open up the window to lay it back. Not, not really, but pretty close. But it's just, and I would sit in that room and I remember times that just me, the reclining chair, and my Bible. Before I ever preached my first sermon, just sitting in that chair and God talking to me. Not because He wanted me to preach, He just wanted to talk to me. Took my back, I took myself back to that chair and said, God. You can take it all, but don't take those moments from me. The only hope for America is not somebody reaching out for popularity. The only hope for America is that men will want to be with him again. That says, if you strip everything away from me, I still want Him. You know why I can say that? Because I've screwed up many times and He still wants me. But you know what? Those crowds one day, if I ever screw up, guess what? They don't want me anymore. You mess up one time, the fame, they don't want you anymore. The magazines stop calling you. TV stops calling I've watched it. We're, we're the first people to kick kick our own people when they're down I've watched it so I've settled in my heart I'd rather have him because even if I mess up he still wants me three things Psalms 91 verse 1 he that dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty it was the first scripture that ever came alive to me. I was sitting in that reclining chair and I felt the shadow. And it was in that shadow that God began to transform my life. Watch this, three things. Number one, the secret place. What is a secret place? Simple. Any place where you can meet with God privately. Matthew 6, 6 says this. Go into your room. Shut the door. Shut the door on distractions. Shut the door on the cell phone. Listen, God's in control even if you don't get your next text. Chances are you're not even going to respond to that person anyways. So the world's not going to end if you don't have your iPad and your cell phone. Get alone with Him. Shut the door on distractions. And He says, your Father... I'm, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. This is what it means. So I'm not giving you heresy here. God's waiting on you there. It says, your Father who is in secret, right there with you, shall reward you openly. Then you jump over, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. You go to the second word, abide. And then you can start talking things like this. See, a lot of us have got the secret place down, but we do all the talking. God talks back. 
John 15, 7 says this. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done for you. Here's the deal. We've been great at doing all the talking. Now it's time to shut up and let him talk. That's where the transformation takes place. The transformation doesn't it, the transformation is initiated when you open your mouth, but it's not complete till you shut yours and hear his. But watch this, it leads to the last part, which is the ever increasing glory. If you get in secret and learn to abide in his word, hear his voice. Can I tell you sometimes the loudest his voice will get is these pages right here. Learn to abide. The Lord said, you can have my shadow. I said, Lord, explain that to me. He said, Acts chapter 5, verse 15. It says that they would lay the sick out on the streets in hopes that Peter's shadow would pass over them. See, the thing that you don't understand is Peter was a seeker. Peter had a secret place. How do you know that? Because he was a disciple. Disciples don't just treat their master's word as optional. If he taught them to live in secret, they're going to live in secret. If he taught them to abide, he was there every time Jesus said these things. Then he's going to abide. And if he learns to abide, he'll carry the shadow. See, I want to tell you that it's a little preachy here, but it's, but it's the truth. That day, it wasn't the S-U-N. It was the S-O-N. And as he walked past the sick, I want to tell you, you can't even command yourself to have a shadow. Have you ever tried? Have you ever stood in a room and just said, Shadow, appear! Have you? That was back in the day, right? <laughs> he was on something. <laughs> I love Pastor Hank. You can't do that. How do you get a shadow? Something brighter than you has to be cast upon you. And in the interception of light, it casts a shadow. Peter had gotten into a place with God where he received an interception of light and as he walks it's not even really translates as shadow like we think of it it actually translates in the Greek an aura I call it a kingdom radius don't get around me with all your devils in hell when I just come out of the secret place because I'm carrying a kingdom radius you're either going to run or repent come on why don't we believe like that anymore Smith Wigglesworth got in a trolley cart with a Catholic priest. The Catholic priest sat down and Smith Wigglesworth never even opened his mouth. And he said, he looked at Wigglesworth and he said, why? He said, my God, you're convicting me. Smith Wigglesworth said, I haven't even opened my mouth, sir. Because he carried the presence. What would happen if we started to rip the veil off, get back in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Receive some freedom. Intercept some light and start casting a shadow on this world. What would life look like? I'll tell you what it looked like. Your family being saved. 
I'll tell you what it looked like. It looked like ever-increasing glory. Miracles on a daily basis. They'll become the norm rather than the exception. But my, my thing is tonight, I've said all this and to you tonight, not to entertain you, but rather to see if maybe somebody would believe it. Many times I feel like John crying out in the wilderness looking at some people that look at him like, "Are you? have you lost your mind? You know what? I have. But I got the mind of Christ. And I, I know that probably everybody here is saved. That's a problem. We're all saved. but I wonder who still believes that they can walk in intimate relationship with God when they walk in intimate relationship with God that simple devotion leads to supernatural results stand on your feet sorry it wasn't preachy but I'll not apologize for the way your heart feels right now because that's what it's about. I'd rather you get mad at me and go home and try it than me preach a word where you like me but nothing happens in your heart. Lift your hands. We come before you as Lord. We don't even come today before you God without first saying we humble ourselves before you you're more than just a savior you're Lord and Lord we want to be with you (laughs) come on when's the last time you said that I just want to be with you Lord Lord, we're not asking for anything tonight other than we just want to be with you. Because if we get you, we get everything we need. If we get you, Lord, we get prosperity. If we get you, we get healing, Lord. We just want you. God, we're not asking for blessings tonight. We want you. We want you to come without hype, without any kind of extra motivation. We just want you. Lord, we want you. Right now, if I was you, I'd just find a place. It's not about hype. It could be your chair. It could be these altars. But somebody needs to get and kneel before His throne. Say, Lord, take the veil off. I hear some of you say, but I don't know if I need all that. Listen, all your Christianity is right now is just services. Take the veil off. Ask the Lord to take the veil off so that you can walk with Him daily. 
Come on, lift up your voice. Quit worrying about what everybody thinks about you. Show your desperation. Show your desperation to the Lord. It doesn't matter about the opinion of man. Lord, we need you tonight. God, let our hearts burn. Let our hearts burn for you, Jesus. Lord, we're tired of the hype. We're tired of the performance. We're tired of the rituals. We're tired of man. We want to see your face, God. We want to see your face, Lord. We want to have those encounters with you where everything fades away and only your face remains. We're tired of the man-made encounters, God. We want a Holy Spirit invasion, a Holy Spirit takeover. Father, we want you. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice right now and just begin to call on Him. Tell the Lord, take the veil off my face. Take the veil off my face. I'm tired of empty religion. I'm tired of the show. I'm tired of the service. I just want you. From Bibiki Lamarianda Moshapranda Lebesi Ida Dana Marianda Bakuriada Bakasatariande. Just the call of the Lord to return to Him to cast aside our idols. You say, How do we have idols? What have you put before Him? Have you put your ministry before Him? Have you put your career before Him? Have you placed your family before Him? Have you placed the lust of this world before Him? Have you placed popularity before Him? He will have no other gods before Him. It's time for a turn tonight. It's time for a turn. I hear the Spirit saying, It's time for a return back to me. If you will humble yourself, if you quit worrying about what man thinks about you, the opinion of man, God said, I will raise you up to be a display and a carrier of my glory to a generation that doesn't know me. God's looking for a people that won't want the generation to see them but that they will see Jesus high and lifted up. For if Jesus be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and the angels were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of the glory. God, every bit of glory that we've taken to self, we repent tonight and we say, let the whole earth be filled with the glory of the Lord. Come on, some of us that are in ministry tonight, this should be the place of our threshing floor and say, God, any glory that we've ever taken from you, God, we repent and give it all to you. You're the one that gave us the gift. You're the one that gave us the talent. God, it's our desire to make you famous in this generation.
Holy, come on, we need to have an Isaiah 6 moment. Oh, and I saw him high and lifted up. I saw him reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. And the angels cried, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is smooth of his glory. Come on, just lay yourself before the Lord humbly. Lord, let this generation see men that burn for you. God, don't let them see the fake of this generation again. God, don't let them see a hypocritical ministry again. Lord, let them see a people that reflect the Lord's glory. You said, God, that we can look with unveiled face and be transformed into that same image ever-increasing Lord let us return to you Lord let us return to you Lord Lord let us forget about what man thinks about us let us forget about this passing and fading world let us focus upon you Jesus check out. Just continue to pray. Rip the veil off tonight, Lord. Rip the veil off tonight. This is a gathering, Father, with one purpose to encounter your face. God, we thank you for the word, but if the word doesn't bring us into your face, it's all in vain. If it doesn't cause us to look at you, it's all in vain. If it doesn't cause us to burn more for you, it's all in vain tonight. Somebody get desperate tonight. Somebody get desperate tonight. When worrying about what man thinks and say, God, I need you. God, Mark Castro needs you right now. I can't do anything of myself. My ministry's not able to do what you've called me to do. My gifts and talents can't do what you've called me to do. But it's by your spirit. But it's when I see your face. In my weakness, you're made strong. God, I've got to have you.